What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. I'm Dios FM. And I am Mala Muñoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast hosted by us, Mala and Diosa. We're two IG friends turned podcast partners, breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up-and-coming Latinx creatives. Known as Las Locatoras, Las Mamis of Meten Bullshit, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas, we were podcasting independently since 2016, but joined iHeartMedia's My Cultura Network in 2022. This year, we're continuing to share stories from the Latinx community pa todo el mundo. Welcome to Season 8. Are, Are you, you listening? listening? Hola, hola, locamores. Welcome to Season 8 of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. You're tuning in to Capitulo 168-168. Now, before we dive into our mini-series, we want to invite all of our locamores to the My Cultura Podcast Network's two-year anniversary live show. We'll be hosting a live show, which is really just a live recording of Locatora Radio in front of a live audience, and that could be you along with Curly and Maya of Super Secret Besties Club and Cheekies, like the Cheekies Rivera of the Cheekies and Chill podcast. It's this Thursday, August 17th, at the iHeart Theater in Burbank. It, the show will be hosted by DJ Lechero with music by our good friend DJ Sizzle. And if you're not able to attend the live show in person, you can still join us virtually. It will be available to stream starting August 28th, so you can tune in from anywhere. So today we are concluding our mental health mini-series, and along the way we've talked to Adriana Alejandre of Latinx Therapy about grieving, Danny Fernandez about mental health advocacy and being online, and Sad Girls with Miriam Juarez and Sasha Robles of Homegirl Consejos. We have also talked about being Delulu, and today we're continuing this series and the series of conversations by talking about therapy speak. And what exactly is therapy speak? It's something that has gotten a lot of attention and airtime over the past couple of years. So we wanted to do a little bit of a dive. 
So basically, therapy speak is when people take the terms they use in therapy and apply them to their daily lives, to their relationships. And sometimes it's used out of context. Sometimes it's not. We all want to go to therapy and take what we learn and apply it. But Vanity Fair, Vox, The New, York, New Yorker, and others have done extensive reporting on Therapy Speak. So we're going to link those articles in the show notes so that y'all can check it out. I did want to quote one of the articles by Vanity Fair and journalist Delia Kai interviewed Esther Perel, who is a pretty famous therapist and author. She wrote this very famous book that was actually recommended to me by my therapist called Mating in Captivity. Her take on Therapy Speak is that it's actually making people lonelier. When she talks about therapy speak, she is really saying that there's kind of a danger there because when you're just calling something gaslighting, where you're, you're just calling something trauma bonding, you're really taking it out of the context of a therapy session. And so I thought that that was really important for us to share today as we talk about boundary setting and using therapy speak. And it's something that we've been covering for a long time, the way that this therapy language shows up on the internet in particular and in the comment section and in content that folks are making across platforms. And then we see examples from real people and how folks in their day-to-day -day interactions in their relationships are weaponizing therapy speak. So the most recent example that I think was, was got a lot of attention were the leaked text messages from Jonah Hill. Um, his ex-girlfriend shared some text messages that he sent her where he's basically demanding that she remove pictures of herself from her own Instagram account where she's wearing a bikini. And now this woman is a surfer. We're in California. People wear bikinis and they put them on the gram. Very normal, very quotidian, very like boring, honestly. But Jonah Hill in his text to his ex-girlfriend stating that his his request that she remove her photos is because of a boundary he has right that his girlfriend shouldn't be posting bikini pictures of herself because that's his boundary when really it's good old-fashioned misogyny it's good old-fashioned jealousy and it's it's a good old-fashioned control issue um but he's calling it Jonah Hill has famously been in therapy and has had a therapist and has even gone so far as to put out a docu-series, a documentary with his therapist. It's called Stutz. In, in, and in, his, in this work, he is in conversation with his therapist on camera. So it's just so fascinating that that has sort of been part of his public image and public brand and public work. And now we see the way that he's utilizing whatever he got out of therapy in a negative way with his ex-girlfriend. So these are the types of things that we want to just continue to talk about. And I think that our guest is going to help us to shed some light on this trend and on, on this behavior. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that it's not a boundary. It's just good old fashioned misogyny, because I think we have all had that experience where an ex or a partner has told us, I don't want you to wear this. I don't want you to wear that. Don't post this. Don't post that. And we know that that's not a boundary, right? But I think this in, is the first time that we're seeing at this large scale that someone is actually calling it a boundary instead of saying, instead of saying this is controlling, this is a red flag, this is misogynistic behavior, they're going to say that it's a boundary, which 
again, goes back to weaponizing these terms that have been created to help us be better people, to be better in relationships. And now they're being weaponized and taken out of context. So we are going to be chatting with licensed social worker Gloria Osborne Sheeler and founder of Glow in Therapy. And we're going to be talking to her about boundaries and why it's so hard for Latinas in particular to set boundaries. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Gloria Osborne Sheeler. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, mental health therapist owner and creator of Glow in Therapy, a private practice that allows me to provide a space for women and couples of color to learn about how to improve their self-care and self-love practices, all while improving their relationships. I identify as a first-gen Afro-Latina, Panamania from Panama, uh, but raised here in LA, so I also identify as an American, Panamanian-American. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you talk to us about Glow in Therapy? When it got started, the mission, and how it's going, what you're doing with it? Yes. 
So Glow in Therapy is a virtual uh, therapy space that actually got started right before the pandemic in October of 2019. So I'll be coming up on four years uh, pretty soon. And it started off as me just wanting to dip my toes into private practice. I had some experience with telehealth and I chose to create this space, Glow and Therapy. And the premise was to really provide women and later couples of color with the space to work on their self-love, self-care, and to strengthen their relationships. And I integrate a lot of uh, mental health evidence-based interventions. I'm certified in quite a few things, but it's also a unique space because I integrate a lot of holistic ancestral uh, practices into the therapy space as well. So typically, the clients that end up aligning with Glow in Therapy's mission, which is all about finding your freedom and your glow in therapy, realigning with that inner light, a lot of these clients are people who uh, want the therapy, but also want the space or the permission to talk about crystals, to talk about astrology, to talk about spirituality and how that becomes integrated into their healing journey as they're also working through their mental health uh, challenges. I know that you're, you do a lot of work around boundary setting, and we hear this word a lot, especially on TikTok, online, like that word boundary has been in the lexicon for many years now as mental health therapy and words become more mainstream. But I just wanted to get to the basics and ask you to define a boundary. We use it all the time, but what is a boundary? That's a great question. So I see a boundary as an effective tool, an effective method to really just protect your space, your inner peace, um, to really just uh, navigate life and the things that we experience. Sometimes we are going to be confronted with things that make us feel uncomfortable or have a second guessing. And when we're armed with tools such as boundaries, which is just really an affirmative statement, clarification about something, I think they can help us work through some of those things that might make us feel unsettled at times. I think in life we hear about all these different types of boundaries, like there's professional boundaries. It's like very clear what is an appropriate thing to do at work and what's not. And like setting those boundaries with your boss and with your coworkers. But I think for us and for our listeners, we are really interested in the more personal boundaries, like setting boundaries with family, friends, community, and doing it in a, in a healthy way. And I'm sure that that's something that's come up with you and your practice. Absolutely. So for me, a lot of my clients are also first-gen Latinx or second-generation Latinx. And growing up in a Latino household, over the years, learning through my clients and also to my own personal experiences, I feel that we come from a culture that conditions us to put the other person first. We're often uh, catering to, you go over your mom's house and what does she do? She's like giving you food. Do you need something to drink? Do you need groceries to take back with you? Do you need your clothes washed? So it's always this preoccupation of other people. Are other people safe? Do other people feel comfortable? 
And so I think as a result, as a Latina growing up in a home where we're conditioned to take care of other, we go out into the real world, into the work settings, into the friendship setting, into the relationship settings, and we're constantly, we're preconditioned to be preoccupied about other. So setting the boundaries or speaking up for what we need becomes more difficult because we don't know how to do that. It hasn't been modeled for us. So when we think about setting personal boundaries for anybody that might be listening who identifies as a Latina, I hear you. It's difficult. It's hard to say, you know what, I don't like that because we might fear that other person rejecting us or that other person not liking us or us making them mad. But when we set that boundary, we're, we're not only showing up for ourselves, but we're also too, I think, demonstrating what it looks like to speak up for what we might be needing in that relationship or in that friendship. Yeah, I love that example of that you gave about going to your mom's house and she's providing you with all these things. She's catering to you. She's serving you. And that really makes me think about how women in particular, especially if we're talking from a Latinx or Latina cultural background, we are conditioned to serve. And so speaking specifically to the Latinas or the women listening, like how do we work towards breaking that cycle of we're going to serve everybody else but ourselves or we come second? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. And I often assisting my clients work through this because they might show up in therapy and they can say, Gloria, I hear you. That boundary sounds really great, but I don't, just don't see myself being able to set that boundary or, or I just don't I don't know what that looks like. Right. And and how we begin to break out of this or why we're breaking out of this is to really just show ourselves like, OK, I I have been working through this. I have been um, dealing with this. I'm so used to things being this particular way, but I can I can work through this. I want something different for myself. We begin to show up and say, I'm really tired of, for example, you know, this happens to me every time. Every time I, you know, talk to my mom, I call her. This is an example I hear from a lot of my clients. So I'm sure some of the listeners might resonate. You call your mom and maybe the first thing she says is, you never call me anymore. You haven't called me in a really long time. Or, or what if I would have been dying if you called? Or, you know, it's like, oh, por fin, me llamastes, you know? And instead of just appreciating that call, right? And so what I have encouraged my clients to do is say, man, it sounds like you really missed me. I really missed you too, which is why I'm I'm giving you this call. So listening for what the other person might be trying to communicate to you. When a mom says, you know, you didn't call me or you haven't called me enough, what she's really saying is, I wish you called me more often. And oftentimes our parents are coming from countries, experiences, generational traumas where they didn't have the permission or the space to really learn. There's another more effective way to be able to express a need that you might be needing in the moment, you know, and I think just showing them showing up with love and recognizing I don't have to get defensive with my mom. I don't have to shut her down. I also don't have to submit to what she's saying, but I can I can say what I'm hearing her say. What is she really meaning behind uh, what she's stating to me right now? I love that example you gave about the phone calls. My my grandma in particular, 
Nadia may llama and she's on the phone all day, every day with somebody (laughs) constantly. But I, I appreciate that shift in perspective, even for us, you know, how can we be more understanding even as we're setting boundaries like you know everybody has their own trauma and how 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 do we approach this without being cold or you know or 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 lacking empathy Mm -hmm. i think coming from a space grace and compassion that's the motto like how can i show up am i leading with love that is such an important question i'm constantly sharing to my clients who are working through very difficult relationships or trying to uh, mejorar the family relationships you know it's like how do we make the relationships better because not everybody is showing up in the therapy space but how can i still kind of let what i'm learning trickle off to people and and I, I say just leading with compassion, leading with grace, leading with love, understanding that uh, my mom is not trying to put me down. My mom is just expressing how she feels. And this is how she does it. She has a different way of showing how she's feeling about me not calling all of the time. Uh, but at the same time, I don't. it doesn't mean like, oh, yeah, let me just accept this. But it's more about, okay, how can I, mom, I really miss you too. You know, and I just had a moment right now to call. So tell me what your day is looking like, you know, and just kind of shifting um, the direction of the conversation. You know, if you have it in you, because I know it's it's difficult. You know, it's like I'm saying it right now, like, oh, that sounds so easy. But when you're in the moment, we still have feelings. We still, you know, like, oh, my God, she always says this when I call her. Right. So if you can just stop for a moment and really just sit with, okay, what is she really trying to say to me here? And how can I respond with more compassion, with more grace? How can I lead with love? Mom, I really miss you too. Tell me what your day has been like and just keep it pushing. I love that idea of leading with compassion. But what happens when it's not it's not accepted? It's not the boundary that you're setting isn't being respected or compassion can and understanding can only get you so far with someone that doesn't want to receive it. So what do you what would you advise to someone in those instances? That's a really great question as well. You guys ask really good questions. But yeah, it's just because you learn how to set a boundary doesn't mean that when you set the boundary people are going to respond like, oh, okay, yes, I'm going to honor your boundary. Sometimes the boundary can trigger somebody else. Because again, I think growing up in a Latino household, we're not always provided with opportunities to speak up for ourselves, to be more assertive, to communicate our emotions or our feelings. So when we do that, it can sometimes trigger the other person. So I think having that in mind, I might set this boundary and it might not be received well. Boundaries are typically received well when other people have set their own boundaries and they understand healthy boundary setting. But typically when somebody responds like really uncomfortably, keep in mind, you're not setting this boundary to make that other person happy, to make that other person feel comfortable. The reason behind your motive behind setting the boundary is really to protect and honor yourself. 
So if you lead with that, I'm setting this boundary to protect and honor myself. This person doesn't respond that well. I am not responsible for how somebody responds to my boundary. How they respond might make me feel uncomfortable and that's okay. It's just indicative of where the work continues for me because my whole purpose is not to set a boundary to make somebody else feel happy. So knowing walking into the situation, I might make somebody else feel uncomfortable and that's okay because I'm setting this boundary to protect my peace. I'm curious also about where forgiveness lives in all of this, you know, and especially with people who like, we're talking about like your mother, you know, your grandmother, your blood relatives, like, like people who are are probably in your life forever. And the that sort of spectrum, you know, forgiving, empathy, boundary setting, like how do we gauge, you know? Yeah, that dreaded F word, forgiveness, which can be really difficult uh, for people to not only forgive yourself, but especially forgiving others when we feel things have been just done wrong or handled incorrectly or not the way that we would have preferred, right? And so with forgiveness, how forgiveness enters in. So I might use the example, I'm going to use the example, the mom, the Latina mom, you call her and you didn't do something that she needed you to do or you didn't comply with something that she expected you to do in the exact kind of way. And just knowing, okay, my mom needs this. She needs this done. So having that level of an understanding, she needs this done a particular way because that helps her feel safe. Now, while she might be upset at me for not doing something how she needed it to be done, it doesn't mean that I have to tolerate yelling, screaming, criticizing so I can forgive my mom for okay she's having a moment you don't need to say mom I forgive you for acting this way for me but it's it's about how you show up and how you decide to engage with mom something I'm constantly teaching my clients about is do not hop in the ring like if you imagine a boxer a boxer's in the ring mom is that boxer when she's calling you up and she's mad about something you can literally choose not to hop in the ring. Sometimes people are just waiting for you to hop in the ring and then now you're in the ring, now you're reacting, and now we have a full-on match. But if you pause and allow yourself to like, how can I effectively respond to this? And I'm also not saying don't acknowledge your feelings, but acknowledging your feelings or hashing them out with mom in the moment might not be the safest thing for you to do. But at the same time, having a space for yourself and acknowledging what was so triggering for me about that moment when my mom yells at me, when my mom criticizes me, when my mom uses certain words, and then you can go back and you can have a conversation with her about it. Uh, maybe when she's not so activated, you can say to her, hey, mom, I have no problem with you uh, needing me to do something. But when you yell at me, it doesn't make me feel loved. And I think that when we approach our caregivers, parents, grandparents with that compassionate language. I understand what you really want me to do for you right now in this moment, but I also didn't feel loved with the way that you shared uh, with me or I didn't feel respected. I think there's space for them to hear us. 
And in the worst case scenario, when they don't hear us, you can say, okay, I just wanted to let you know this is how it made me feel. And then you can decide how much you want to continue to navigate or interact uh, with somebody who's not respecting you or not treating you with love. I love that. that that's such a good um, analogy of being in the boxer's ring. I want to ask you more about setting boundaries in relationships. Text surfaced from Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, and she shared these text messages where Jonah Hill was saying that he wanted her to take down photos of her in a bikini even though she's a surfer because it was his boundary and I think that that's another way that maybe we are misusing this term and so if you're in a relationship especially if you're a woman dating a cis hetero man you know there's some power dynamics there so how do we move through relationships romantic relationships set boundaries with them without demanding something from the other person and you know, removing their own agency and autonomy to do what is right for them. When we set boundaries in relationships, a boundary in that context is really a request. So if we're showing up and we're saying, I really don't like that you're doing X, Y, Z, this is a request. I'm making it known. I'm letting you know how this is making me feel and my preference for you to not do something. Now, whether somebody honors that boundary or that request uh, is really up to them. Again, this goes back to how people respond whenever we do set the boundary, right? Like just because we're setting the boundary doesn't automatically mean that the person's going to see it from your point of view. The person's going to understand how you're feeling. Uh, maybe the the other person, the relationship, the healthier thing to do is say, tell me more about that. Tell me more about why this is important to you. Tell me more about what that would do for you if I'm able to set or if I'm able to meet this boundary. Uh, how might that make our relationship better, right? Like, what is my motive? Uh, what am I hoping for? What is my goal in setting this boundary? And knowing that just because you set the boundary doesn't necessarily mean that that other person is going to honor it or that they have to honor it. But if you're in a healthy relationship, I think it provides a space and opportunity to have a deeper conversation about where the boundary is coming from. We've been talking about boundaries and I just wanted to ask you about identifying when to set a boundary and with who, like at what point do you recognize or acknowledge, like I actually need to set a boundary here with this person. Whenever you have any kind of emotional reaction, a physical reaction. Usually that's our own intuition speaking to us. Something doesn't feel right. The vibes are off or the spirit doesn't align with mine, whatever it might be for you. It's always an opportunity to look at, can there be a boundary set here? You know, and I think it it requires some self-awareness of like, where is this coming from? Like, what does this remind me of is one of the key questions I share with my clients. Whenever you notice you have some sort of a trigger or a reaction, when have I felt this way before? What does this remind me of? And then really thinking, okay, what's bothering me about this situation? And, and then once you've identified that, and what your goal is. I think figuring out like, what is my goal here? If I'm going to set this boundary, 
my goal is to make this relationship better. If I catch my partner in a lie and my partner kind of brushes it off and but told me, okay, I lied to you about this thing, but we're good now and kind of brushes it off. But I'm having a really difficult time letting that go because now I'm starting to question, well, when when else have they lied to me? That might be an opportunity for you to say, you know, hey, I really appreciate you coming clean and talking to me about this lie that you shared, but I would really appreciate it in the future. Uh, if you feel tempted to lie to me or you want to lie to me about something that we talk about what's really going on, because I want our relationship to be based on honesty and trust. And if I can't trust you, uh, then it makes it difficult for me to feel safe in this relationship, right? So it means addressing that thing, which typically what happens is we start to see the little yellow flags before they turn into really big red flags. And then when they're the red flag, we end up exploding and blowing up about it. But these little things, I think you can address by just saying like, hey, I, I would really appreciate if you didn't do this. I noticed that you did this thing. This is how it made me feel. It made me feel unsafe. It made me feel like I'm going to question other things you've told me and whether you're lying to me about it or not. And uh, I would prefer that you didn't do that because I imagine that the goal is to always repair, at least in this therapy space it is, is I'm always really focused in helping clients to work on, like, can we exhaust everything in our power to repair a rupture that happens in a relationship? Gloria, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and your professional wisdom with us today. With us today, would love if you could share with our listeners where they can follow you and if they're interested, how they can learn more, how they can get further involved with what you're working on. Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Glow in Therapy. That's G-L-O-W, like glow it up, glow in therapy. And you can also find me on Facebook under that as well, Glow in Therapy. And on my website, it's just glowintherapy.com. And if you go to my website and you click book a session, if you're interested in uh, signing up for therapy or just having a conversation about how to take care of your mental wellness, you can sign up for a free 20-minute consult. If you don't see any times or days on there that work for you, please just shoot me an email. I'm more than willing to accommodate. All right, Locamotis, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Besitos. Besitos. Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, is executive produced and hosted by me, Mala Munoz, and Diosa Femme. Story editing by me, Diosa. Audio editing by Stephanie Franco. Thank you to our Locamores, our listeners, for all of your support. Besitos! Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, 
Let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status.